Welcome to issue 101 of Critical Encounters. It's a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss these poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Caleb, and joining me tonight is Mike. Caleb, pleasure to meet you. Hey, thanks for being here. And uh, Daniel. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Thank you. And Steve. Hey, Caleb. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm taking over. (laughs) You know, there are some podcasts that joke about you being a host. I mean... (laughs) That's true. That's true. You guys are going straight for the jugular. (laughs) You listening, Chad? They're throwing down. Uh, No biggie. Well, as everybody could hear, we have Caleb Grace, Marvel Champions developer, on with us. We're going to do an interrogation room. It has been 90 issues since you were here last. 90 issues. Yeah. You're on our number 11. Well, congrats yep. to you guys. Thank you. Thanks. It's uh, It goes by fast. I feel like the game's changed a little bit since then, too. How yeah, so? it definitely has. <laughs> I, I think we've had three campaign expansions. Lots Is that of right? Heroes, I can't even remember. At yeah. the time, we didn't even have Red Skull, I think, the first time you came on. Oh, my goodness. And now we yeah. have up to Mad Titans. Yeah. All right. You know what's funny is I, I have to ask because I'm sure at the time I was on, that Red Skull was finished, and we were at least working on, uh, you know, uh, Galaxy's Most Wanted. So it really is kind of hard. It's all a blur for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's for us too, but I'm sure worse for you. <laughs> oh, well, it predates me, right? So it was, yeah, it was probably before we got Wrecking Crew. Right. And then the nature of this business, Caleb. Right. We're always asking you questions about stuff that's a year and a half old in your head, right? So a little bit, yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it goes like that. <laughs> so so we understand everybody understands it's just a delight to have you back on talking to us well don't oversell yeah. it now i now i gotta perform uh, <laughs> you absolutely do you could just be I like mean, it's all right having you here <laughs> <laughs> we've had real low yeah we've had you know other guests so it's fine <laughs> yeah you guys have had some uh some really great guests on it's it's been lots of fun um, we have a great crew at FFG and it's, it's been really fun to, uh, to get to hear them come on and, and share their experiences and all that. So thank for you for sure. doing that. Nobody yeah, knows absolutely. what they, we didn't know what they do. So mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome that they get the chance to, to speak what they, what they do and, you know, tell the world, let them know, Hey, these jobs exist. You know, this is, this is something that happens behind the curtain and, you know, we get to hear more about how the sausage is made and it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Oh yeah, there's so many, so many key people involved that this game would never hit the shelves without. And uh, I, I, one thing that's really fun for me because I listened to all those episodes, I was so excited to hear the questions you would ask and what they had to say. And and I noticed something between you know each of their interviews and mine and Box is like it doesn't really matter what position that you have um, in the studio or on the game line. Like the passion is the same. That's the thing that makes working at FFG like really cool and being part of this product is really cool. It's like art, art directors, producers, everybody at every level is just really passionate about it. So yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah. It was fun to hear that as a, as a listener, you know. Awesome, yeah. And Steve, we're gonna meet some new people too, aren't we? That come in weeks. 
Yeah, uh, no spoilers, but we do have a whole bunch of additional interrogation rooms lined up for our listeners. So we're going to meet some new people and we're going to talk to some people we talked to before. So stay tuned for all that, folks. Well, that's awesome. I legit didn't know okay. that. <laughs> I look <laughs> okay. forward to those two. First of many to come. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's just t- uh, start with that and roll with it then. Uh, you've said there's many people working on these products. Uh, yep, mm-hmm. yep, there is. So, I mean, obviously it's not just you, because if it was just you, we would have the Magneto campaign expansion where every scenario is Magneto and both heroes <laughs> are versions of Magneto. <laughs> so with so many people, and it's not just your the company, it's also Marvel being involved. Yeah. How do you get the ship going for the next product? I mean, there's so many opinions and interests and where does it all start well yeah there's a lot of people involved but i think what's great is everyone's got pretty clearly defined roles um so you know sometimes we hit some bumps and snags but overall i think we're a pretty well oiled machine especially a couple years in now like you said last time i was here was 90 episodes ago and and rise of red skull wasn't even out yet and rise of red skull was our very first story box you know our first campaign expansion um so since then, we've obviously had a lot more practice. Uh, and so we're always learning as we're going and trying to improve. And by now, I got to say, our producer, Molly, just has everything running like a real tight ship. Just everything um, smooth. And, and uh, it's, it's been great. You know, we have people um, who work at like the executive level, you know, planning out our release schedules and deciding how much time should be allocated for each uh, new product. And like, they're really good at, you know, reevaluating like, okay, Rise of Red Skull took this long. Here's some of the issues we ran into. How can we adjust the schedule so that the next box goes more smoothly? Um, Everything just really feels like it's coming together. So um, I think great proof of that, honestly, is Mad Titan Shadow because somehow we managed to uh, turn out a product that we're really proud of and got it out. Pretty sure we got it out on time, even though there was like a global pandemic that interrupted that process and sent everybody home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that really can't be understated, like how we went from all working in the same building, you know, most of us in the same room to everybody at their own house. I didn't even have internet at my house before the pandemic. <laughs> Well, not even so. that. I mean, the, the Suez Canal was blocked for a while, yeah. and then yeah. uh, a ship a ship off off my country was caught fire. Oh god! Like, it's, it's just been been horrible to get product across overseas. So it's it's a miracle that the the box even landed at all. Yeah, it's I mean, it's been a real challenge, and uh, yeah, we we obviously experienced some delays. So when I say on time, I should I should clarify it was on time from from the development standpoint. Like right that even though we we clearly had to make some big adjustments like at first i didn't even have software you know like at my house i was asking bogs to like enter stuff in the database for me because i didn't have internet (laughs) access at first we had to set up a vpn like all that stuff Um, right yeah yeah so i mean it's just there's a lot of lot of people doing a lot of hard work uh, that that just made it happen so when uh let's say you've wrapped up a project and you guys are you're looking at the future, you're looking at the next big thing. Who's in the room brainstorming ideas? Like of even like what the product yeah. going to be, let, let alone what the cards are. Like yep. what's the next um, card? So traditionally that's, that's uh, me and Boggs. 
you know, on the design team. Um, and uh, we've added another member to our design team. So it's going to be everybody on the design team. And then um, I mentioned our producer, Molly. She's actually a huge Marvel fan. She's a big comic book reader. And uh, so we, we've started inviting her just to get her input because she really enjoys doing that kind of stuff with us. And we really like having her there. Um, so that's typically going to be it sometimes. Sometimes a manager or someone at the executive level might want to join just because it's a product they're particularly interested in. And we're always happy to have their input too. Um, but for the most part, if we know, okay, the next thing we want to do is this. Um, for example, Mad Titan Shadow, we'd say we know we want to do, you know, uh, a Thanos-centered uh, expansion. And, you know, it's already on the schedule. And, and so it's just going to be the designers and, and our producer. And we're going to brainstorm, okay, who who are going to be the villains in this box? And what's going to be the overarching story? Who are going to be the heroes in this wave? And and we're going to try to like map out each one, like what's their gimmick? You know, what's going to make this hero unique from every other hero we've done so far? So those are actually really, really fun conversations. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So with some of that in mind, the first three campaign boxes kind of told one cohesive story. We had the Avengers and we had the Guardians and they came together in Mad Titan Shadow and we had the Infinity Gauntlet. And that story feels like it's wrapped up. And we got, we were told that the Sinister Motives is next, mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse kind of thing. And yeah. then are we going to see another set of boxes that tell another story over the course of multiple campaign boxes? I'm sure you can't tell us what, but like, could we expect another long arc like that? Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, obviously I can't say too much, mm-hmm. but I'm, first of all, I'm just really tickled that you, you know, enjoyed the, the overarching story between Rise of Red Skull and Mad Titan Shadow, because that was, that was kind of part of a, a pitch that I made very early on where um, like right, right from the beginning when, when we were pitching the game itself and once the game was like green lit and we're, we're full speed ahead on making Marvel champions. Once we, the game was starting to take shape, there was this kind of uh, almost like a meta conversation about how do we approach this game? Do we continue to approach it like all of our other LCGs? where we just kind of, we finish a, a wave and then we say, what should we do next? And then, you know, or, or should we try to map it out a little further? Um, just another example of FFG constantly trying to grow and evolve and, and, you know, think, hey, can we do stuff better? So I was asked, like, okay, if you were told to sort of map out the future of the game, you know, what would it look like? And, uh, you know, I just saw, like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the comics, but also the movies. And the movies have done this really cool thing where they're, very much conceived in uh, phases, right? Like everybody's really excited for what's going to be in Marvel phase four, right? You know, it's, it's a whole conversation. And so I thought, well, let's, let's start our game that way. Let's, let's do Marvel champions phase one. And I mapped it out with, you know, um, just like you said, it was Avengers and then guardians and then Avengers plus guardians, you know, save the universe. Um, it was yeah. a lot of fun. It was, it's really satisfying to get to the end of that and, and be like, look, we did it. <laughs> I hope you're able to do that again with other stories because I, I really enjoyed that long story and be able to go back. Oh, I got this Avenger character card, you know, three waves ago, and now it's really paying off with a new card from the new cycle. So hopefully you can cool. do that again. Or Yeah, it, yeah. it was great. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you. I had the pleasure of chatting with Molly over the holidays. She She says that we have you to thank for this lovely, lovely villainous trick you pulled on us with the Mad Titan Shadow Box. 
uh, particularly the artwork and what's missing from it. What's that now? Uh, how uh, the artwork for the Mad Titan Shadow has uh, Thanos, uh, uh, Proxima, and Corvus Glaive on them, and it's missing the final two villains. Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean uh, Loki and Hela? Yeah. 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 As, as the surprise big reveal when you open the box. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I felt like that was more of a group decision, so maybe she was just being very generous. Um, I, I was definitely for it. I, I, she's definitely not twisting the story. Yeah, I, I, maybe she just gave me more credit than I deserve. I think that was something that everybody was kind of keen to do. Maybe it was that someone forgot. Because this sometimes happens, where like we'll discuss something in one meeting, but maybe someone really important, like the art director, couldn't make it to that meeting or something, and so they start working on the cover. And, you know, they're excited to sketch Hela and Loki in there because they're so iconic. So that that might have been it. I'm not sure. But it really felt like everybody was on board of like, let's try to keep this a secret. Right. This is the big this is the big twist. It's a fantastic secret, by the way. I loved it. I'm the type of person who when I open the box, I want to see some cards for the first time. And that just blew me away. Cool. Well, I got to give some credit here, too, to uh, our former uh, studio head, Andrew Navarro, because that was. That was uh, in large part his idea, um, not Loki and Hela specifically, but just that he wanted a big twist. I, I think the original pitch was maybe what everyone expected, which was like, you're going to fight your way through the Black Order to get to Thanos and he'd be the, the final big boss. And um, Andrew was just like, can we do something that's less expected? Like, you know, throw a twist in there. Let's surprise people. And so ultimately we thought, okay, you know, people are going to be disappointed if Thanos doesn't feel like the big boss because he's Thanos. Like, if he's anything less than the big boss, that's going to be disappointing. Um, so we kind of conceived of it like we'll we'll take what we had in like five scenarios and shorten it to three. So that's what you get in the Mad Titan Shadow is you're still fighting your way to Thanos through the first two scenarios. And if you look at like the the cards that you can earn, both good and bad, they really play that up. All the consequences kind of build to a culmination mm. in in scenario number three with Thanos. And then you have almost this like, you know, it's all like rising action to Thanos. And then you have almost this like falling action to Hela, which is not to say that her scenario isn't like super fun, but it's, again, it's almost like a reset. And now Hela is building you up back to the, the Loki confrontation. Yeah. Um, so kind of had like two climaxes in there almost. If you're worried about upsetting people by Thanos, not being the big bad Choosing Loki instead, I think, gives you both, you know, flexibility and forgiveness. Oh, yeah. People love Everybody Loki. loves Loki. <laughs> so that's yeah. like, I'm sorry it's not Thanos, but it is Loki. And I and I think you're okay on that on that score. And Hela is awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. we recently had a survey and everybody, uh, Hela won for like the most creative scenario that uh, to date. People just really enjoy that kind of change in the gameplay with her so she was a ton of fun after thanos oh i'm really glad to hear that i had a lot of fun working on that one because uh i think my lord of the rings roots were kind of poking through because i I missed uh i missed going on quests i like doing that in the lord of the rings the whole structure of the game was Mm, sure very different because it was the sort of the heroes driving the story as they're progressing through their quests whereas marvel champions is obviously very much the reverse with the uh the villains driving the story by completing their schemes. And so it was kind of fun to turn that on its head just a little bit and have the players sort of driving the story again by completing those side schemes. 
Um, yep. So right now, all you have are the heroes ruining the nice story that the villains are trying to tell. <laughs> right. They're the ones proactively trying to better the world, and these heroes come in and just sure. ruin it. So I, I guess it it's nice. nice to give them one one try. It's nice like the heroes are the antagonists of this game. I approve. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, if a protagonist is simply a character with a goal, right? Like that's the villains with the goals. These guys are just reactionary idiots who just keep punching them in the face. All they so, know how to do is thwart. They don't know how to create. Right. They don't know how to create. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I love the scenarios like Hella and Collector, Escape the Museum, and like the ones where it's, you know, you can't solve every problem by beating it up. So mm-hmm. it's those are great, great scenarios. Well, that's that's really great to hear because I'm I'm pretty confident you're going to see more of those. <laughs> Woo! That's great news. Yeah, I can't say that they'll look exactly like Hella, but it is fun as designers no. to try to to try to change up, you know, how scenarios are defeated and and what winning looks like. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's always like you know just one of our top goals to to keep the game fresh and interesting so that you don't feel like oh, this scenario is exactly like this other one, except the art's different. You know, that, w- that would be pretty disappointing if people felt that way. Sure, absolutely. So when you're making these scenarios, are you looking to put in new a new keyword or a new mechanic? Or do you have some sort of limit? Like, I'm sure you have a thousand ideas, but you can only fit so many into a box. you find that difficult? Well, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think, so you mentioned like new mechanics, new keywords. Um, with keywords in particular, we're definitely not looking to add new keywords all the time because there there is like keyword bloat at a certain point where you know people just get intimidated to pick up a game because they feel like they got to memorize all these different keywords and things. Um, it's a little different on the scenario side. If we're talking about scenarios specifically, one thing that's nice there is if we create like a new keyword or a mechanic for a scenario, it can be contained within that scenario. So it, it isn't something people feel burdened that they have to bring to everything after that. So I think for us, it, it, it definitely starts on the thematic angle, you know, of like, if we're going to do a new villain, like Hela, we're talking about Hela, like she's the ruler of hell, you know, like what are her powers? She can, she commands the, the dead. And, uh, and hell is such an iconic location within the Marvel universe. I love that there were these specific places that I could call out, you know, the, the bridge over the frozen river and the, you know, the hall of Nestrand and, and all of that stuff. Um, so it just made sense to look for a way to incorporate it. Uh, I think that's really where the inspiration comes from is just doing a deep dive into who is this character? What are they about? What, what is a fan of this character going to hope to see in the game? You know, um, and the, the mechanics and the, and the everything else tend to come out of there. Um, of course it has to fit in the story too. That's, that's the other key thing we have to, like, like you were asking earlier about uh, what does it look like at the start? And I say we kind of get into almost like a writer's room, right? Like where we're just jamming ideas. And uh, we, we'll, we'll always come up with the characters we want to see first. And then the story is basically trying to, to connect the dots to get us for why are we seeing each of these characters? What is their role in the story? And uh, so those are the, like, the two big considerations is who is the character? What do they do? what's their theme, and then also how do they fit the story, and then marrying those two things to come up with a, a new scenario to play. Okay, so while we're talking about Hela, can you pronounce the name of the, her side schemes? I, I could try. Let's see, I have to look them up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I'll, I'll I don't put them in memorized. the chat. Because um, there's like Yallerbru, I think, was one. But I can't say I actually know how to pronounce them correctly. That was pretty good. 
Okay. Uh, I think Nipalir is the first one, and Yallerbrew. Yeah, and then I think isn't Hall of Nistran the last one? Yeah, that one. That one I can say too. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, so all all of the Thor and Hela and and all of that Asgard lore is is based on Norse mythology, right? And uh, so I, I have a pretty strong Scandinavian heritage, uh, being mostly Swedish and Finnish. And this has nothing to do with Marvel. This is uh, when I was 16. I got to go to Sweden with my dad for a couple of weeks. We had friends and family there that we got to visit. It was a really great experience. And I don't speak any Swedish. Like, neither does my dad. It's not like part of our heritage to speak the language because um, we're not that close. But while I was there, I see I took an interest. And uh, so they're asking me to, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm reading things like signs and I'm asking them, what does that mean? And at one point I'm reading something, I can't remember what it was. And I'm asking my, my relative there, you know, what does that mean? And she just starts going off in Swedish. And I was like, you know, I don't speak any of it. She goes, no, I swore you did because you read it so perfectly. So what I learned <laughs> is that apparently the Minnesotan accent is like exactly the Swedish accent. <laughs> well, as a Norwegian from Minnesota, yes. I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, I can say Yallerbro yeah. just because that's how it sounds to me. And it might turn out that's actually pretty close because it's Scandahoovian like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think you passed. You passed. <laughs> totally. But yeah, that long O that we have, you know. Yeah. So, cool. I, I'm going to move it in a little different direction, Caleb, if that's all right. Um, yeah. So this game is old enough, got a card pool big enough, I think, that we can... We can we can talk a little bit about power creep, which has been talked about in some of the other LCGs, like at around this time in their in their aging life cycle. in their life cycle. Thank you, Mike. How do you, as a designer, I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions up front and then let you try to remember them. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, <laughs> so fire away. All right. So as a designer, how do you deal with it? For one, just like in general, like your general philosophy regarding this notion of power creep. Um, do you think it's necessarily even a bad thing? Is it an inevitable kind of reality for these types of games? And does it really even matter? You know, like, since it's a co-op game, like, power creep away. And, like, and I guess my last thing is, like, did you learn any lessons or you bring any, like, kind of historical knowledge from the way that Lord of the Rings ended up as, like, two really significantly challenging cycles? Um, and do you bring that into to this game, like, thinking, I, you know, I don't want want it to be that way or I, you know, I learned lessons or anything like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know I'm kind of like stumbling over my words, but because I didn't write the question down, but you know, like Lord of the no, Rings was okay. hard at the end. And I was like, like, that was hard at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and casual losers, like me with my solo bomber deck, I just couldn't win anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kidding about uh, that deck, Caleb. Thank you so much for for making the Gray Wonder contract because that made this solo bomber thing not an auto lose, <laughs> and I could play across the table from him. I really, I really want to see this solo bomber deck. It's I want to do a whole podcast bomber, about right? that. It's, it's called this deck is the bomber. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I'm, not very, I'm not proud of very many things in the LCG world, Caleb, <laughs> but I am very proud of that deck. Oh my goodness! Yeah, separate time. We we need to get together and and talk about that. I want to see that in action. Uh, oh, it's so good. 
<laughs> well, and technically, it's he counts as two, so it's not really solo anymore, is it? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh my god! Did he even take so the Great Wanderer? Questions. All right, so yeah, I'm sorry about that. So many questions about right, right, you're answering a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so back to power creep. Sorry about that. So, right. um, your designer Bomber was you know, really it, where it, my power creep started. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Or clearly, when oh, you man. said you didn't care about it. So, <laughs> so who's the bomber of Marvel champions then, right now? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, like, how do you do it? I mean, is it a bad thing? Is it a thing that you think about a lot? Um, what's your? I think power on? creep is a bad thing in the way that it's it's used by in discussion by players with this strong negative connotation. Like no mm, nobody great. ever talks about power creep in a positive sense. Like oh guys, <laughs> you see the new set? I'm so excited about the power creep. You know, like. It, <laughs> In any game, any setting, like I, I play, um, I play Marvel Strike Force, uh, the the mobile game, and uh, I'm I'm in a team for that. I have a lot of fun, just play casually. And every time there's a new hero, you know, the the people on my team are just like, oh my gosh, have you seen the power creep on this one? You know, it's it's never like a positive thing, like oh yay. <laughs> uh, so the thing, the problem is, it's a, such a subjective issue. It's a truly truly subjective issue like when people start arguing oh this card's op you see you see that get bandied about so so loosely everyone's like oh it's op um to the and point quickly, that everything is op right yeah and, and like um, before even playing the card people are talking about you know, like yeah those are my that. favorite comments those are my favorite comments to read are like they clearly don't play test this this is just op you know because um, <laughs> we actually spend a lot of time uh playtesting with a lot of playtesters and uh we definitely keep an eye on power level but as i said it is subjective and one thing to keep in mind uh or at least something that we try to keep in mind uh the lessons that we've learned the hard way is that no matter how robust your playtest group no how many how awesome they are and we have awesome playtesters uh there's just no way that a small number of people in a in a six month period of time, it is going to uh, break into a card pool the way thousands of people will over a year or more. You know, so sure, there's always going to be stuff. Yeah. Yep. There's always going to be stuff that slips through a, a, as hard as we try, as seriously as we take it. And uh, so, the way I look at it is, it, some realities of power creep are that the larger a card pool gets, the more powerful basically every card gets because you have more available combinations. So everything is getting more powerful with every new player card that we put out there. Some are more obvious than others, but that's that's just a fact. Um, so I think with Lord of the Rings, we, we definitely made like the last cycle was nuts on purpose. Like the scenarios were like, we knew that we were um, planning to sort of sunset the line for a little while after the Mordor cycle. So we thought, mm -hmm. let's just go out, let's just go out swinging, you know, like let's leave people with um, scenarios that they can chew on for a while, that this is going to take you a while to figure out how to beat this one. Um, and the idea was by that point, we didn't figure new players were jumping in the game with the Mortar Cycle, you know, so it was really there for our veteran players who'd been playing for a while. And we figured they had a pretty robust card pool by that point. Um but we definitely not, are not doing that with Marvel. That, that's complete antithesis of our approach to Marvel. Marvel is like, 
every product is an entry point. That's like a really important value to us. Every every story box is an entry point. Every hero pack is an entry point. So oh, I like that. Uh, I like that. Appreciate it. Yeah, that that was part of our pitch. Like no joke. Like from the very beginning, it was uh, trying to address again some of the lessons that we we've learned as a studio about the LCG model, what works, what doesn't. And I'm super proud of Lord of the Rings. Like I'm so proud of the fact that it's uh, getting relaunched this year. Um, I, I'm just thrilled about that because it's a fantastic game. And I can say that completely without patting myself on the back because that's a Nate French design. That's Nate's game and it's beautiful. And um, But we, we learned some things that, that we used to relaunch that game, for example, problems that we're able to correct, like the release model. You know, you had to buy the core set, then you had to buy a deluxe box if you wanted to play the packs. And if you could find the packs, but you couldn't find the deluxe box that went with it, you couldn't play the scenario. <laughs> couldn't play. Yeah. yeah, and that, that was clearly a problem. And then also, again, yeah, that perception of, of increased difficulty and power creep and people would want to get together and play casually at the local store, but they'd sit down to play like a more recent scenario that was pretty tough and their player deck just wasn't cutting it because they had a very limited card pool. Um, and so that's kind of a negative play experience if if you're like all happy to join them and then you feel like all you're doing is holding back the group because you're just you're basically just there to make them reveal more cards or something. Or like I say, you right. brought a solo bomber deck with you. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. You stole my joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we just wanted to get away from that. You know, and that's so Lord of the Rings itself is getting away from that. Now now we're releasing starter decks for it that you know, that I actually designed. I'm really proud of those, you know, that you can just play them right out of the pack like like a Marvel starter um, and you, you're, you're ready to go. So with That's Marvel, great. though, like that was just baked into the DNA of the game. It's like we're going to we're going to build these decks. We're going to play test these decks so that they're ready to go. In fact, we're going to play test these decks against the scenarios that they're released uh, adjacent to to make sure that that's a fun experience. So that that was one way to, to address power creep. So with the Lord of the Rings pre-cons that are coming out, that's you're you're able to pick cards from the entire card pool with a little right? bit yes and no, a, a little okay. bit yes and no. So um, I, I forget how much has been announced for Lord of the Rings, so I'm not going to go too deep. But right. um, they've not definitely lot, announced so like they, yeah. yeah, like but you know the entire card pool. Let's say that I, I when know you're the building pool, the decks. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yep. so to the Marvel pre-cons. I'm curious how you decide uh, how many new cards you want to put, how many reprints you want to put, which reprints do you want to do, uh, how you decide an aspect for a hero pack. Because like, I know every deck needs some sort of resource acceleration, so do we get another set of energy, strength, and genius for the 15th time? Or, or are you able to say, you know what, let's not put those in, let's put in something else. Like, how, do you, how do you decide on that kind of mix within the hero pack? It really depends from hero to hero, to be completely honest. Um, we have some general practices where we decided very early on that uh, we were going to get comfortable with the idea of reprints because it didn't make sense to try to reinvent energy, genius, strength. You know, to, to do that for every pack would just be tedious. Um, so whenever we find ourselves going, you know what this deck needs is a double resource card. It's like, well, then throw in energy or genius or something. You know, we're not necessarily going to try to 
create a new one in that moment unless there's a specific reason to do it. Um, but at the same time, we try to be very respectful of like people are buying these packs for the new content. You know, no one wants to buy a pack and find out like, oh, I got like three new cards and, you know, 57 ones I already had. Like, we're not trying to do that either. Uh, we really want uh, just to make a really great experience out of the pack, you know, and sometimes that necessitates a few reprints. Uh, but for the most part, we're trying to create uh, new cards. So it's it's an ongoing conversation, to be completely honest. Like sometimes, um, even within the department, there's different opinions uh, about what is the right number of reprints and, and how often to use them. And I think that's a good thing. I think if we were all just agreeing about that all the time, we might uh, we might have a blind spot to something. So it's a, it's a continual, ongoing conversation that we revisit with every individual hero pack. I, th I think typically you guys do a pretty good job of that. I do have one request. Can you can we get an endurance reprint? Because we only have yes, Miss Marvel, and, and I can't make four decks because I only have three cards. And <laughs> <laughs> endurance and downtime, I think, yes. are the the ones I'm always oh, running hold on, out of. Hold on. Uh, I need a refresher. Endurance is uh, plus three uh, health, plus three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And downtime, and downtime is plus recovery. Yeah. yeah, and they came out in yeah. Miss Marvel. Okay. <laughs> Which is a long time ago. And I just want to be able to build four decks at the same time for my play group and have <laughs> four endurances. I know it's better. I, I can go buy another no, pack. I, I throw them in so many decks that yeah. I have to proxy or something. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great to hear. Oh, I'm really I'm really happy to hear that you guys uh enjoy those cards. Um and yes, I believe uh reprints of those are coming at, at some point in the not too distant future. And if they don't, we'll just blame it on our evil minions for stealing them away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift uh, shift a little bit and talk about campaign difficulty. Sure. Because um, so okay, so uh, for those of you listening in the future, we have three uh, campaign expansions released so far. So this again is going to have a couple of questions in it because uh, you've got players. Oh boy, like you market this to casual gamers, you market this to power gamers that build their own decks people buying decks off pre-built right off the shelf. And we have the Red Skull, which, you know, some people in the community were saying too easy, too easy. And then Galaxy's Most Wanted came out and people were saying too hard, too hard. And it almost <laughs> feels like Mad Titan's Shadow was maybe scaled back. I don't know if that happened as a result of community or if this was already in the pipeline, it was too late. But I guess my question is, with so many people and so many voices, how do you how do you peg where you're going to put campaign difficulty? Uh, do you think you've hit it or do you, or do you like changing the difficulty between boxes and how do you even know when you've hit the mark? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, great questions. Um, forgive me if my answers start to sound a little bit the same. Um, but I, I think I've talked about this kind of thing in the past is like, it's as much art as it is science. You know, there's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely things that we can do objectively to try to balance those. And then there's things that are just always going to be open to interpretation. Um, I've been revisiting a lot of my favorite nineties music recently, just like listening to old albums. And then there's a gentleman on YouTube. I listen to uh, Rick Beato who talks about how albums are made and everything. And it, I, I started to notice. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I don't play, yeah. I don't play any instruments and my singing voice is terrible, but I love listening to this guy break down like, music and theory and um, yeah anyway it just got me um wrecked started i started to recognize some parallels between 
like making an album and making like a game product, you know, because these bands like no one, I, I don't get the impression from any of these uh, 90s bands, you know, that any of them ever went into the studio and said, let's make a crappy album, you know, like I just don't <laughs> think people do that. Um, I definitely think there's some cookie cutter bands out there that are, you know, just interested in the money. But, you know, for the most part, these genuine musicians, they're all very passionate about what they do and they go into the studio and they give it their best. And then uh, there's no guarantee that it's going to connect with the audience, even though they went in there. And, and from what I've learned from Rick Beato, it's like there's so much thought that goes into the recording speed and what microphones they used. And, and I'm like, all these things I never even knew about. And, uh, so they're clearly putting a lot of time and energy and effort and passion into these albums. And then some of these albums get released and they just get ripped apart by the critics, you know, just trashed and the sales that they wanted aren't there. And, uh, and it's because, uh, you know, it's, it's as much art as it is science, right? Like you have to, you just have to hope that whatever it is that you're making that you're passionate about somehow connects with your audience. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm really happy that Mad Titan Shadows seemed to connect, but I don't think that we, we didn't radically change anything between any of our story boxes. Um, the process was pretty much the same for all three of them. Um, we're definitely trying to learn lessons as we go, but there was definitely not like a conscious shift in like, oh, that last one was too difficult, so we're going to make this one easier. It was more just like, this is the box I want to make. Like, once, once Galaxy's Most Wanted came out and we read some of those comments, it definitely started conversations, um, you know, on the team and in the department. But Mad Titan Shadow was mostly done by that point. That's, that's something people, I think, forget. I was going to ask you about that. Like, you don't have time, right? You don't have time to adapt yeah. to community criticism, really. Well, we, yeah, but just not maybe for the very next, yeah, just not for the very next product. Yeah, yeah, that's what's always so interesting is reading those comments of, of like, Oh, they must have seen that and changed this, and it's like, no, man, that that ship had already sailed. That was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time that came out, and I read your comment, this thing was done, and I was hands off of it. <laughs> like, were you even still working on the uh, sinister motives at that point, or was it already basically out of your hands? Oh, that's a good question, and I honestly don't know, just because that was mostly that was almost all Boggs um, doing that. We kind of have this leapfrog kind of pattern, right? Right, and um, and I, I was really busy working on something else at that time. So I'm afraid, honestly, I got a little caught up in what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> is that leapfrog pattern going to change now that you have a third designer on? Or is, is that designer going to take yeah, on? Inevitably, inevitably, it's going to. I'm really excited to see what this uh, new team member will do when, when they get their chance to lead. So uh, I asked Molly this, and I think I want to ask everyone this, um, because it's a hype is fun, and why not? So, Caleb. What is the product that you personally are most excited for us to open? Now, I know you can't say too much. You can be as vague as you want. But is there something you're just really keen and like you want to see the look on our faces when we open it? For reference, Molly said the last pack of the two cycles from now or something like that. Ridiculously complicated. <laughs> that we'll forget about by the time it comes out. Okay. All right. That, that helps. That helps to have a little context of what kind of answer you're looking for. Uh, I am in truth. This is a very easy answer for me, albeit a little, um, again, a little bit of a tease for you guys. I'm very excited, uh, for everyone to open the next campaign box after Sinister Motives. 
Okay. Uh, any particular scenario in that box or just like to open up and see the story unfold? Honestly, just wish I could be in your room with you when you get the news <laughs> of what's coming. I'm just very oh. excited. Uh, <laughs> and which is, and, and I feel like I should caveat because my answer sounds like, yeah, Sinister Motives, whatever. The next story box is great. You know, <laughs> like Sinister Motives is amazing. <laughs> Don't I'm very wrong. excited for that. I'm very excited. Yeah, I, can, I feel cool. like that's someone who's not really like a Marvel scholar, like, but has been living a long time, knows those people. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's what I like about that, that box. Well, we, don't, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about this box when you were making it. So I at least want to pull this out, you know, a year or two from now. <laughs> And say, okay, well, yeah, this thing you were jonesing about, and you know, maybe you'll brush us off and say, yeah, whatever. We're working on, you know, cycle oh, ten. Oh, yeah, when, whenever, whenever that, yeah, whenever that campaign box after Sinister Motives comes out, you you won't be able to get me to shut up about it. Uh, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so excited for it. Awesome stuff. All right, so we'll definitely have you back on for that then. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so while you're excited about that one, I'm going to ask a, a little silly here. If you could make a villain, non-Marvel villain, to just plop in the game, you know, no limits, whatever. Who do you think you'd want to put in? A non-Marvel villain. Yeah. Uh, from a comic book, I assume. No, anywhere, anything could be the guy who, you know, lets his dog go to the bathroom on your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be too broad a question. But I'm like, what are some of my favorite villains now? Uh, I like Darth Vader. Darth Vader's okay. the OG. He never gets old. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be a good one. A Voldemort scenario could be fun. Yeah, except you would win every game on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that's how you would defeat Voldemort. Is like, well, actually, I checked the rules. He can't do this. <laughs> I, I know that you guys can't do rules questions. That's not a thing you do, right? Because... Not everybody listens to our show, even though they should. Uh, but we have this weird, what we like to call a bananas situation here. Okay. And it was sent in by a listener. So we have Nebula Hero and we have Gamora Hero. Okay. And they're playing together. We got the sisters yeah. there. Okay. Nebula has drawn shadows of the past at some point. So that mm -hmm. shuffles in all her cards where Gamora is going to do terrible things to her. What it comes down to is Gamora draws the old rival card that says Gamora attacks you. But it's Gamora that drew the card that says Gamora attacks you. So does she, like, punch herself in the face? Can she defend herself? <laughs> How does that work? Is she looking in the mirror? What's going on there? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it basically comes down to the card says Gamora attacks you, but you are playing Gamora. Can you attack yourself? It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and when you attack yourself, you're kind of buffed up. Right. And can you defend yeah. yourself? I don't know. I don't know. You know the, the, nebula, the nebula hero would take the defense for it, right? I got to say, guys, I feel like the answer is in the flavor text. Oh, now I don't know what the flavor text is. <laughs> it says this was a mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that card we applauded just for the situations that it. Oh, it's, it's a great card, yeah. Oh yeah, we had so many, so many fun talks about how, yeah, Gamora, the hero, could end up attacking you. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if we actually ever talked about what if the Gamora hero trusts this. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Because I, I think it says on there that you don't exhaust to make the attack. Like the ally or the hero wouldn't exhaust to make the attack. Yeah. So you could exhaust to defend against the attack, maybe. I, I don't know. It's a fun. It's a fun thought experiment. It's very silly. Uh, <laughs> so in in truth, in truth, I think the effect is very straightforward to resolve. It says Gamora attacks you. If you're Gamora, you attack yourself. You know, it, it doesn't make any distinction. It doesn't say unless you're Gamora. So you know, an, an attack is clearly defined right as taking damage equal to the attack value unless you reduce it with defense value. Um, so I yeah, we're getting it. We're getting into rules question territory there. I love the I love the theme of it. That's really what we wanted to bring up. So yeah, yeah. It, it's that's a fun one. Uh, yeah, I I really like that. That was uh, actually boxed uh, designed most of the the Nebula pack, and it was so much fun because it was all like riffing off of the Nebula villain, which which he also designed, and I really enjoyed. So I just thought, oh, this this was so such a, a cool idea from start to finish, and I really enjoyed the reception to it. That was our. I believe that's our first time, like doing a, a, you know, a villain and then making them into a hero pack, um, which by definition should make it, you know, Critical Encounters favorite hero pack. Um, it, it is. It kind of <laughs> is. We, is. I feel like we spent three months on it. Yeah, we yeah. must have done five episodes on Nebula. It was, it was great. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but the reception to it has been great. So it's kind of like, all right, people like that. It's, it's exciting to think what other villains we might eventually do as heroes at some point in the future. Yeah, you're still Jones and from Magneto. I hear it in your voice. <laughs> That's that is no secret. Yeah. We gotta see him as a villain first, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Steve, are we allowed to chat about uh, Valkyrie on the show? Like sure. The world, the rest of the world has it. Uh, okay. Yeah, we don't have it, but I think uh, this Friday. I think this Friday. Okay. Well, then, then you know, spoiler. Another thing that you get in that pack. Uh, Valkyrie's nemesis set is the Enchantress. Interesting decision. Can you talk about what went into that? Her her kit being similar to the modular set. Yeah, that just the, honestly that struck me as a fun idea that uh, she's the same character in both instances, and uh, so it'd be kind of fun in, to just uh, you know port some of those ideas over. Uh, I forget how much she is like the other. Uh, I know that one of her like. I think her attachments are basically the same. The, yes, uh, the beguiled uh, and the seduced. Yes, and the, uh, it, it struck... I looked at this and I'm like, oh, okay, the same cards. And then I realized, if you pull Shadow of the Past in a scenario that already has Enchantress, you get two copies of Beguiled and four copies of Seduced in the encounter set. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is, uh, that is Chef's Kiss right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Seduced is a very bad card for Valkyrie, right? Because you can't attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so, really, that's ultimately, I, I think we've been pretty good for the most part about staying true to the idea of a nemesis as someone who's basically trying to counteract your hero. And Valkyrie's a very aggressive hero. That's She doesn't have much thwart or defense. She really just wants to attack. So, having a, a nemesis minion who just shuts down your attacks is. Uh, appropriate i like that she gives us the crossover with lord of the rings with aragorn yeah <laughs> you like the flavor on that one yes yeah. <laughs> <That was> so- <laughs> a fearless beast if by his life or death he can save us he will uh. yeah every now and then the flavor just kind of writes itself yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask this at some point. Okay, so um, 
when I was playing, I was streaming some solo games, and I was going through a campaign of Galaxy's Most Wanted, and mm-hmm. uh, I decided to modify the Ronin scenario. I gave him one less encounter card in the first turn. I removed his uh, campaign-exclusive side quest, and I threw in a different modular set. Uh, are the FFG police going to come knocking at my door? Uh, well, I wasn't until you started bragging about it. Now you're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first mistake. <laughs> Don't admit you did it. Uh. <laughs> uh, I think Mike's really asking for forgiveness, not permission here. I'm trying to, I'm honestly, I'm trying to understand if there's a real question in there because the idea of, <laughs> the idea of modifying the encounter set uh, has been, again, baked into the DNA of the game. Like, that yeah. was one of the core ideas. So, yeah, I, I understand why people are hesitant to, um, you know, tinker with the, the makeup of the scenario. Like, some people just don't want to, and I think that's legit. I think we were aware of that from the beginning. Like, like there's all different kinds of players, right? So one thing, going back to the idea of, like, hero packs, for example, we knew from the beginning, that if we made pre-built hero decks, that there were going to be people, a significant portion, in, in my estimation, um, who never uh, deconstruct those those pre-built decks, but just only ever play Captain America with the deck he came with, or Miss Marvel with the deck she came with. Um, similarly, there there's going to be lots of people who never deconstruct the uh, scenarios, but only ever play them with the recommended sets and so we do put a lot of time and attention into making those uh pre-built hero decks and recommended scenarios you know as fun as we can make them so it's not like we expect people if they're struggling like well they should know then just to change it i think maybe we kind of hope that they might uh because that is obviously the, the the idea behind the modular nature of the game is that we don't want you to get frustrated or turned off we want you to feel free to customize the experience to be what you want it to be. So for me, it's really rewarding to hear you say, yeah, I did this and it was fun. Um, to me, that's a win. Uh, but I know that there are some like diehard players who are like, ah, it's cheating, you know, or that's, I, I shouldn't have to. Um, and, and so for them, we just really try to make it as solid as we can, you know, the first, the first time around with, with the, the recommended sets and going back to my conversation about like, power creep and and difficulty and so on it's like again it's uh, it's a little bit subjective for so for some people it's just as hard as it should be and for others it's way too hard or way too easy and it's uh, just going to be impossible for us to get it just right for everybody right i think um what it comes down to is is psychology like when there's words on paper people feel like oh this is the, this is the way it has to be it has to be mm-hmm. and mj's talked about this she said uh you know people are their own worst enemies they hold themselves back <laughs> oh that's that's a pretty good quote <laughs> something like that. something along those lines it's like they're, they're the ones that are gatekeeping themselves oh you should just get uh get mj back on then i got nothing to say on that level I really could. <laughs> <laughs> just keep just keep rotating like molly and boggs and mj and and then eventually our new our new <laughs> yeah well the problem is she hasn't been she hasn't been on this game right because MJ uh, has tweeted a bit about the some of the fun heroes she likes, but ooh, I don't think he's ooh, never actually. There might be there might be a hero pack. There might be oh. a hero pack in the Sinister Motives wave that MJ helped design. 
Mm. If there is, we would love yeah. to uh, to have. Yeah, we're gonna have to reach out. Yeah, actually, if if my memory serves, MJ was kind of the uh, the driving force, uh, um, in, in some ways, like a, a big contributor to why we did this particular hero. Okay. Because uh, yeah, she just had an idea that she was really excited about, and we were like, yeah, that sounds super dope. Let's do that. All right. I'm, I'm marking that down. Let's Making get it over. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. That that's the wave. <laughs> And remind me, this is the wave starting with Sinister Motos and then the next four afterwards. That is correct. It's it's one of those four. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, Mike, you're just wanting Caleb to validate your quote about play the game that you want to play, right? Oh, and he totally did without any... Oh, yeah. Honestly, that's... That could just as easily be be one of my quotes, you know? Like, (laughs) I really do. I really do believe that. Like, that's one of the beauties. Uh, of a co-op game a customizable game is that you get to make it what you want it to be there's no marvel champions tournament you know it's yeah. Yeah. a game that you play with your friends to have a good time so i i would argue you're only playing it wrong if you're not having a good time thank you well then i don't feel so bad about replacing ronin with rhino <laughs> now that i've said that someone's going to twist it and say, oh, Caleb said, if we're not having fun, it means we're not playing it right. You know, that, that'll be the takeaway. Like, uh, and I never have fun. Yeah. Not uh, our listeners. Not. Our listeners are in it for the fun. They know where we're coming from. So that's yeah. our big push is have fun, play it how you want to play it. So yeah. I know uh, there's a heroic podcast that puts out a show monthly, we'll say. And uh, <laughs> they have some interesting challenges they've been doing where like one of the more recent ones was with crossbones and they're putting in three nemesis sets instead of modular sets that are all the hydra ones like baron zemo Ooh. and stuff oh ton of fun cool. ton of fun using the nemesis sets instead of modular sets um, oh that's cool and, oh, yeah because yeah. they're the same size and everything yeah there's so much options with this game that's why mm-hmm. my play group enjoys it so much that's why i was so excited for the hood to come out that was Oh my gosh! A, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was an idea that Boggs had when he said, "I, I just want to do like a pack that's just like all modular sets." You know, like could we just do something that just just injects a ton of new modular sets into the game? And uh, he got the idea to do, yeah, like a you know, like a, a a villain who just is pulling all these people together. And I was like, "You're talking about the hood." Like that's what he did in the books. So that was like my only contribution to that product was like, yeah, the, the hood. He'd he'd be a great villain for that. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, once he pitched that, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm so excited for that, and I think it turned out great. Yeah, the hood's a lot of fun, and uh, I looked at it and I, and I saw most of the sets. Like, oh, these are some cool, some cool sets. And these ones, oh, I don't know, maybe they'll be okay. It was like Streets of Mayhem or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I was playing, and and the ones that I thought weren't you know, weren't the flashy ones, got shuffled in first, and they totally wrecked me. Like, totally wrecked me. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's really when I say, like, he crushed it. It's because, it's like, he, he had so many great, um, just just different ideas. Yeah, like like the one you mentioned. Like, it's like, this one's going to have a whole bunch of side schemes. This one's going to have environments. Like, he just really leaned into what can all of these sets do. And I think it worked really well because because the product was conceived as a bunch of modular sets. He kind of started with like what he wanted sets to do in some instances, rather than, you know, who's this character and what are they about? And that's going to dictate the design of the set. So some of those sets, like you mentioned, the ones that are like environments and side schemes and whatnot, 
they're not a, as constrained by uh, fitting a certain theme. Instead, he got to craft the theme out of the mechanics he wanted, which was a really cool and different way to do it. Uh, and he still has some of like the here here's the the Crossfire crew, and and they're very thematic to to the Crossfire crew. But yeah, sometimes it's the ones that are just like. They feel kind of random. You're like, well, what's what's Streets of Mayhem? What's that? And you're like, oh, yeah. My gosh, that's... <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, you are and Boggs are leapfrogging. So that means you're your lead designer. But as I understand it, can everyone everyone plays a role? Like, yeah, all... yeah. We we um, usually I'm not as removed as as I was for the Sinister Motive set. That was a unique situation where I. I was working on something, uh, something different out of the ordinary. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I just, I would just kind of make myself available to be like, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. But you know, box is real capable. It's not, it's not like, it's like, Oh, help me with this. You know, occasionally I'll bounce ideas off me, but yeah, otherwise we're usually pretty good at, you know, checking in with each other more, more regular than that. Um, so like the, the wave that I was just teasing, I'm very excited about coming after sinister motives. I, I was definitely trying to, hit up box for feedback, uh, especially, especially toward the end when I, when things were starting to get locked into place. Um, I was really happy to have a, have them get together and, and do some play tests together. So do you also take lead on the wave that follows or is that? Yeah. 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 So sinister motives, uh, he was lead. So the wave right. after the one that I'm like super stoked for, that was, that was my baby. Got it. So, um, when you mentioned MJ, you know, having a hand in developing one of these heroes, I mean, how did that happen? Because given that MJ's primarily looking at another game, it sounds like it's an open enough environment that you know these. Uh... Yeah, we we've been really fortunate to get uh, several members uh, of our department to contribute at different times. Aaron Haltom uh, helped out a ton with Galaxy's Most Wanted. Um, did a lot of uh, design work, uh, especially on pardon me, especially on Groot. Um, I remember being really excited to to jam with him on on Groot in particular, um, and Jeremy's Wern. Uh, did some guest design work with us, uh, contributed a ton to Gamora's design. Um, ah. Yeah, and MJ's, yeah, MJ's helped out a couple of times. So this, the MJ's contribution to this upcoming wave, um, honestly, was was pre-pandemic. It was a long time ago. MJ's just this, like, really creative force. And when she gets an idea, it's like, hey, I designed a new hero pack that you might never use but I just had to because I was so excited about it. It's on our database. It's there if you need it. You know, like <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so I think that answers an earlier question. If that was pre-pandemic, I mean, that was before we got Galaxy's Most Wanted for sure. It was definitely a long time ago, and yeah. and because uh, oh, is- you know, it, back back when we shared an office, it, you know, it was really common, um, you know, just to have conversations like. Hey, do you guys think you'll ever do this character? Because I love this character and I'd love to help with that, you know. And and for MJ, that often turns into, yeah. So I went ahead and made it, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. If you guys, if you guys want to use it, cool. If you don't, that's okay too, you know. Um, How big an adjustment this, was that with, with the pandemic? Because I imagine in a creative environment, you're always, oh, hey, but can you just have a look at this? Like, how do you do that at home? Yeah, there's pros and cons, right? There's, I I was super down about moving to work from home at first. I mean, I understood the the necessity of it. I wasn't upset about that or anything. Uh, it was mostly just like, oh, I'm going to really miss 
this creative energy and being around everybody and, and sharing things kind of free flow. Uh, and I do, right? Like uh, I'm, the department, the card game department is just a fantastic team and everybody on it is just a really great person. I feel like for the most part, we're pretty tight, get along really well. So I do miss that. But at the same time, I've come to appreciate working from home. Like there's fewer interruptions, <laughs> you know, there's, there's less uh, ambient noise that I need to, to zone out like at the office it was common practice to wear headphones all the time um mostly just as a way to to, to drown out the noise um and at home i don't have to do that which uh which i really like for some reason that's a big deal to me so we're we're all on uh, like a chat service you know so i i can actually i can message uh my team members at any point throughout the day and just say uh hey i could use some help with this card do you got a minute and uh, nine times out of 10, it's going to be, uh, yeah, yeah, give me 15 minutes and, I, and we can get on a call, you know, and, and we'll do that. So it really, um, it's different, but it hasn't, I don't feel like it's hampered our ability to collaborate. Uh, we just collaborate uh, over a different medium is really it. Nice. Nice to hear. Yeah, I think the the probably the biggest downside is just that, um, like I said, I can feel a little bit more removed from what other people are working on. Like, even within Marvel Champions, it, it, it takes a concerted effort to stay up to speed with with uh, the leapfrog process and to know what's going on. But as far as like the other card game lines, like I used to kind of be aware of what was going on. Now I I really don't. Like <laughs> unless I get to unless I get invited to participate in something directly, I, I couldn't tell you what they're doing on on the other lines. Whereas just by virtue being in the room before, I had a had a right. pretty fair idea. Are you still working remote now? Yes, I am. I've come to really like it. Honestly, I have windows in my office now. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> I can, you know, if I get hungry, I can just walk down the hall to my fridge. That's that's nice. <laughs> it's always stocked with Mountain Dew. Your kids must be going into school. <laughs> no, no, that is that is the challenge. Is the I was going to say because you, know, you said it's less distractions, and I thought when we had our kids here, it was like that's more distraction. <laughs> But. Well, yeah, I should, I should, I should clarify. It was, it's less distraction now. It took them maybe all of 2020 to get used to me being here, you know, uh, and and into 2021. But they're definitely used to me being here now. And yeah, the interruptions aren't as many. And sometimes they're really welcome, you know. Like when my daughter comes and knocks on the door, and uh, and I'm like, "What do you need, honey?" She's like, "I just love you." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a very welcome interruption." That's nice. Yeah. I appreciate it. I accept. You know, or my son comes in and says, hey, look at this drawing of Spider-Man I made. It's like, that's really awesome. You know, these are good interruptions. <laughs> Sign him up for the art department. Yeah. Oh, honestly, I think he's on his way to being a, a really talented artist. You know, I'm not trying to project too much onto him, uh, but he, 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 he looks up, like, stuff online. Like, he looked up a picture of Spider-Man, and then he just drew it from, from looking at that. I was like, dang, that's pretty good. He makes he makes his own comic books. He um, he actually draws his own grids on paper and then he fills them in, and they're pretty awesome. Huh. <laughs> so now we know where Caleb gets all his inspiration from. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, buddy, could you write the next comic for me? I, <laughs> I got to do this rule book. You can you can you do something yeah, with Kang, right. please? <laughs> <laughs> so we get a we get a campaign box. We get all the heroes, and then we get a standalone villain scenario like Hood, Kang. Is there anything different that goes into those since they're not tied to a campaign and they're standalone? Like you had mentioned the Boggs just wanting to do a ton of modular sets and you, you 
had the hood for that. Um, is there a different mentality? Are you free to like just go grab some wacky villain to to do for that? Since it's it is completely standalone. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's I think what gets um, us as designers really excited about the the standalone scenario packs is it is a very different approach from from a, a campaign box because like like I talked about earlier, you know, we have to craft a, a story to connect all the villains together and. You know, you hope it's more than just an obvious, well, this villain had to be here, so this is what the story is. You know, like, we put a lot of care and time into that. You need uh, you need overlapping encounter sets just to, to fit the card space, because you also have two pre-built hero decks in there eating up a lot of the card space. Um, but with an encounter, uh, like a scenario pack, there's nothing else going on. It's just whatever you want that scenario pack to be. Uh, so I, I, I'm really happy that from the beginning we established that scenario packs are not all uniform. We had the the Green Goblin that had two different scenarios in it, and then we had the Wrecking Crew that had just one, and it worked totally different from everything else. So they really are kind of like our playground to just do whatever. Um, mm. It's just that our schedule is so full. Like a, a campaign box and a wave of hero packs takes a lot of development time, so it doesn't leave us a lot of room to to do a lot of um scenario packs uh but when we do get to do them we're, we're just excited you know it's just a lot of fun um and it is kind of like sky's the limit so like with kang it was definitely like uh i just want to do this wacky thing that's going to really come across in multiplayer but it's also going to work in in solo um and create all this replayability you know and then obviously the the hood just uh is such a fresh take on a on a scenario and, and, and introduce so much uh, new content to the game. So yeah. So I'm excited for, 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 for more of those in the future. Hopefully we'll get to do um, at least one a year. I'd like to see more if possible, but you know, we, we're always, we're always so excited about things until, until suddenly there's a lot of deadlines and then we're like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe we want to, maybe we had the right balance, you know? Molly's really good about keeping us on track with that. She 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 hears our excitement, and says, "Yep, yep, that's all good." But uh, we still have to get stuff done on time. You know, so who's going to actually do it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's kind of our reality check. So I'm I'm really glad she's there to do that for us. Otherwise, I'd probably be drowning in too many projects, and I can't finish them all. Well, I think they've all gotten great reception. So hopefully, yeah, you can keep up putting those out because uh, I I've loved all of them. I mean, one of them oh, had that's, a that's great to hear. in it. Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited to get a T Rex in there. Yeah, I forget. Can the T Can the T Rex have a goblin glider? I, I don't remember. Can he? Maybe he can't have attachments. I don't remember. I think he can. I don't think there's a limit on that. We'd have to go uh, back and ask our. Uh, uh, oh wait, no. I'm I'm, I'm on. Uh, I, I'm on the the Marvel CDB at the moment, and yeah, it doesn't say anything about. It. Oh, that's great. <laughs> now I'm even happier. You can throw it in Zola and get all these mutate attachments. Oh, you could get a mutated T-Rex. Now I want to do yeah. that. That would be awesome. Yeah, th- so the reason I had to think, like, I-, I can't honestly remember everything off the top of my head. But with Lord of the Rings, it was such a different mentality. With with Lord of the Rings, it was like, let's be really respectful to the theme and restrict who can who can hold the sword Narsil, you know, who can you know, fire a bow. Like you don't just want anybody to do everything. Cause then it will feel like, well, why are you guys even call it Lord of the Rings? If you're not going to be you know, respectful to the IP. Um, but with Marvel, like Marvel's all about doing crazy stuff. 
you know, Marvel's all about like, uh, there was a comic book where there was a Venom T-Rex. Do you guys see that one? <laughs> no. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I think it was old man Hawkeye where it's like from the same future as old man Logan. And there was like legit, like a, a venomized uh, T-Rex. And it's like, so if they can do that, heck yeah, we can have like crazy mutant T-Rex with cyborg parts, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fun leaning into that. Well, and the, even the artifacts change hands amongst the heroes so much. Mm-hmm. You're not under any pressure to hold, to keep it with a specific hero. Oh yeah. That's why uh, at first the infinity gauntlet was going to be part of like the Thanos scenario. And then I was like, hold on. Why would I want to limit that to Thanos? Like, why why not just let anybody have the Infinity Gauntlet? Like, how much fun yeah. would that be? To like every scenario, you can just automatically increase the difficulty and increase the randomness by like giving that villain the Infinity Gauntlet. It's like, oh, oh, it my is gosh. fun. Give it, give it. <laughs> now to I want to see Rhino. Right. I love <laughs> yeah. that everyone's brain like goes to Rhino right away. Like, I want to see Rhino with the Infinity Gauntlet. What is he breaking into? <laughs> Now that he has the power stone. Yeah. yeah, we have we have him with the power stone infinity gauntlet on a goblin glider. Uh, uh, with the Cree militants. Cree militants, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We we just anything interesting, we're like, all right, put on Rhino now. So he's probably the most powerful villain in the game at this point. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a, do you guys like ever record those and put them up on YouTube for people to watch? Because that sounds hilarious. That one I haven't, but uh, I want to. I just want to see that. We should I see what we that should. looks like. <laughs> um, we occasionally do games on, like I'll record my game states. Um, Caleb, maybe you shouldn't watch it. I make a few rules mistakes. Uh, <laughs> then you, then you will call the FFG police. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I'm already coming to your house, so you oh, might as hey, well. Just... Hey, we still have some time. Do you mind uh, making a couple of really quick Carteratus? <laughs> <laughs> Just so his videos aren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, please remove force from uh, from cosmic, cosmic Lord. Lord. And <laughs> please erase in hero form on the um, what is it? Uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mike, play the game you want to play, man. Play the game you want to play. Uh, in all oh, these games, I-, I learned long ago: never read the bottom half of a card. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I got a I got a buddy that I play test with all the time, and whenever we're playing something competitive, he's like, "Oh, great! If I start winning, you're just gonna rot of the card like in the middle of the game." <laughs> <laughs> and it, it'll happen because uh, you know when we're playing with with paper, you know I gotta I gotta print it, cut it, sleeve it, and it's it's a bit of a process. And so sometimes I'll make just one or two updates. And just make a mental note, like, oh, this this value changed. This is three instead of two now, you know. And then inevitably, I'll be playing my buddy, and I'll be <laughs> like, uh, that actually does three damage now instead of two. He's like, oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course it does three now. It, it probably cantrips too, and like, just, <laughs> he, he gets so bitter about it. Uh, just straight up does not believe me. <laughs> Legend of the Five Rings you guys have now, but when AEG had it, there was actually an event card that said designer wins. And if you're <laughs> if you are pictured on this card, you win the game. <laughs> it's like a promo for Gen Con one year, so that was a pretty funny card to see. That's awesome. Yeah. You need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes without saying. Caleb, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It it's rewarding every time. 
So thank you, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And we'll see you in uh, some, some time in the future when this incredible product releases that you're excited about in 50, 50 issues, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it might actually be 2022 if it's this cycle. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. Well, let's see. We got uh, what's what's still coming. Valkyrie, Valkyrie just came out for most Valkyrie's people. Out. Got... Vision should be out for me in three days. So we got Vision, and then Sinister Motives, and then four Hero Packs, and then the box that I'm talking about. So that's uh, you know maybe seven months, maybe seven months away. Yeah, if, if everything uh, stays on track, shipping works. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is big if these days. Yeah, but again, thank you, Caleb. It's so fun to talk to you. Well, it's just my absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we love having you on. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, we always have a good time when you're on. And you mentioned wanting to hear some more. So take keep listening because we're going to have some of your coworkers on. So, And see if they say you're the villain or the hero when we ask them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Hey, folks. Uh, you guys have a safe house I could hide out in for the next couple of days. Uh, I hear the FFG coppers are on to me. Drop me a line, criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Took. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Caleb, take us out. The thing none of you will ever understand is that there are no sides. There are no heroes or villains. There's just what I want and how I'll get it. That was Magneto. Should I say Magneto take us out? <laughs> no, Caleb's good. Okay. No, I mean, it really could be me saying that. That sounds like something I could <laughs>